0: Hello and welcome, or welcome back, to the first official episode of the Paddock Gal podcast. So, this week we will be covering the Bahrain Grand Prix, but before I get into that and all its chaos, I'd like to say happy International Women's Day. Hopefully, this podcast will be coming out on International Women's Day, the 8th of March, um, but when you're listening to it, it may be after that. Um, just on that note, I'm hoping to do an episode on iconic women in motorsports um some point this month for women's history month so keep an eye out for that i'll update with further information on that on the paddock gal socials which are at paddock.gal or at Gal on most platforms um so let's start with the barring grand prix so let's do a we'll do like a bit of an update and a chat about what happened what we learned and what i'm expecting going forward so Oh, and also some off track news um, and some general motorsports updates. So firstly, this weekend was a pretty chaotic race from DNFs to constant pits and penalties. There was always something crazy going on. Um, In case you missed it, the podium was um, Verstappen, Perez and Alonso. Um, We'll get into that a bit more in a little bit of time. Um, and then our DNFs were Esteban Ocon, Charles Leclerc and Oscar Piastri, um, which um, it, was quite a, it was quite an eventful race. Um, we saw Ocon with his multiple penalties and then penalties for not serving his penalties correctly. And then obviously Leclerc's um, DNF was quite heartbreaking. I had to immediately text my Ferrari supporting friends who were distraught in like in tears, screaming, crying, throwing up, you know how it is. But um yeah, that was quite a that was quite a big moment because there was a sense in free practice that Ferrari and qualifying that Ferrari had been having the same not necessarily the same reliability issues but they were definitely still having reliability issues so to watch the actual grand prix and see that happen was not a really it was not unexpected but it was really heartbreaking especially with Leclerc in third place and then and then all that hard work being for nothing um but um i guess for other teams we had some unsurprising not necessarily unsurprising victories because again if you were following through practice we saw Alonso really like really um what's the word dominating practice so it was really interesting to see how that um played out in the actual race and another interesting thing is Leclerc's DNF again because the fact that Leclerc didn't finish the race that I'm I spent the whole like rest of the race wondering would Alonso have made it to that had Leclerc stayed in the race but i guess we're going to have to wait for the next race to find that out which is it's fun because we've got something to look forward to but it's going to be like running through my mind until then um but yeah um so our podium was also particularly interesting because we had the two teams that exceeded the budget cap which is a little bit controversial um i think i'm not entirely certain how concrete all the accusations are so we'll say two groups that allegedly exceeded the budget cap but um I think we know that Red Bull did but Aston Martin is still trying to say they didn't but um that's quite interesting because I saw a lot of um like tweets of Ferrari fans saying just break the budget cap please pay the fine or um there's that trend going around where you like buy merch and like me spending money because I know that the Ferrari engineers have families to feed or things like that. Um, and I saw one where someone was like me spending money so far I can pay the fine for exceeding the budget cap. Um, but yeah, that's really interesting, I guess, from like an ethical perspective, because there's a, am not going to like say anyone's cheating, but there is a sense that perhaps of an unfair advantage. But then another thing, which I think is important to take into um, account is the fact that there are some similarities in the creation of the two cars so a major part as we know of the car's success and team success is their design of the car and also their engineering um, which we can see in terms of design of the car we keep seeing with Ferrari um, and you know some teams are really struggling this year we saw um, with um, McLaren this year um, I'm saying this year like the whole season is over I do just mean the um, Bahrain Grand Prix but like we've seen with McLaren Lando pitted what six times and um, Piastri DNF'd and then again we saw with um, Ferrari, Leclerc had those reliability issues so engineering and car design is a really key factor and an interesting thing about Aston Martin this year is that they've got a new technical director, Dan Fallows. And an interesting thing about him is he has been work until this year, until he's moved to Aston Martin, for quite a while, he was working with Adrian Newey at Red Bull. And that's really important because Adrian Newey is known for designing Red Bull's rocket cars, these like absolutely unstoppable machines that are just incredible. And the so Dan Fallows has learned a lot of what he knows from Adrian Newey and so it's interesting to see a former formula um Red Bull lieutenant going to um a new team and just like helping that team to like kind of get up to that same kind of level so that was really really interesting to see um and um because I know, I think Fallows has said in like his interviews and stuff that you know um, he's learned a lot from Adrian and he's like bringing that across to Aston Martin. So that's really interesting because you really do see how the like we know the design plays a major role, but like it's really interesting to see how um, I think it's like a testament to Adrian Newey's ability because this is someone who's worked with him quite closely and now they've gone off to their own thing and like what they've learned from working with him has like really, really helped them. So this is quite an interesting thing. And yeah, a real testament to Nui's ability. So all that's basically to say that this success of um, Red Bull and Aston Martin is, it's a question of whether it's cutting the budget cap or cutting, going over the budget cap, or um, maybe the fact that they've got these Red Bull engineers. I think, was it, Checo in the interview said three Red Bull cars on the podium, which was interesting. Um, Did they both go over the budget cap? Is it the expertise of Red Bull? Could be both. Let me know what you think. Um, I'm really interested to see what other people think, because I'm kind of thinking at the moment it's probably a little bit of both, but because those Red Bull engineers are incredible. But when the two teams that have gone over the budget cap are dominating the races. I think there's a sense that, yeah, maybe that might be a part of it. But yeah, that was quite an interesting thing. Okay, so the next team I'm gonna talk about is Mercedes. And this one's quite interesting because I feel like at the moment with what's being said in interviews by the drivers and by Toto Wolff, there's a sense that Mercedes have really focused primarily on just fixing the issues with the car last year and making there's less a sense that they've made other changes like i'm sure they have but like their focus really seems like it was just fixing the issues from last year like the poor posting and things like that so that's kind of interesting but um i think that was kind of evident in the race because there was a sense that um where am i going with this there was a sense that mercedes like they definitely fixed their issues mm-hmm. But they were really struggling to, like, they were challenging maybe, like, Aston Martin for a bit. But the Aston Martin was clearly stronger. And even the um, Ferraris seemed stronger, even with their reliability issues. So it feels like Mercedes still have, like, a long way to go. And I'm not sure if they're it's it's kind of early to say but I'm not sure if their car is going to be a championship contender this year so this is going to be quite interesting to watch but yeah that was quite an interesting thing. So on the subject of Mercedes the next thing I was going to talk about is their drivers because over the radio I, George was saying he was asking if Lewis was struggling because he felt like he had more pace than him and he was kind of like staying behind, like not overtaking because Lewis was ahead of him and he was just kind of staying in his place but like checking in that everything was kind of okay because I think there was kind of a sense that he could overtake and he was finding the car a bit easier and that's quite interesting because I think at this point Lewis has been just driving for Mercedes for a while and he's been driving with the car's pre-regulation for a while so I think there's a sense that he's kind of more used to the old cars and um, how how things were pre new, the new regulations. Whereas George has been in F1 for considerably less time. But also he hasn't just been at Mercedes. He's been at a couple of other teams that were struggling, um, like Williams and stuff. So there's a sense that he's kind of had a bit more experience with cars with more more issues. Because I think, like in recent years, because I think it's been... For a long time now, Lewis has been at Mercedes when they've been like comfortable and comfortably winning. Like Lewis was at Mercedes when Mercedes wouldn't even participate in like testing. They'd just like send the car out for qualifying. They'd just like sit there and be like, "No, we don't need to test the car. We know it's good." So I think there's kind of a sense that Lewis has just adjusted to those cars, whereas George is more used to having to like work a bit more with the cars not that this is not to say that Lewis Hamilton is not Sir Lewis Hamilton is not an iconic driver and not a very very talented driver no I 100% believe that he's a very talented tri- driver he has seven world championships to prove it but I do think like after a while you get used to a certain car and I think it's kind of like how this year people have been saying Red Bull had basically put out the same car and just made a few adjustments Mercedes were kind of doing that for a couple of years too and I think it's kind of like that. Like, if a new set of regulations came in, and uh, like next year, and um, Red Bull had to make a bunch of adjustments to their car, it would be interesting to see if Max would still win a championship. Because at the moment, they very much have a championship winning car. But, um, and it's and again, not to say that Max Verstappen's not a good driver, he has two world championships to prove that he's a good driver. But there is a sense that if you're in a stronger car and you're a strong driver, that's going to help. And so my thinking is that when that car changes, you kind of have to learn to drive it again because you learn to drive your car. This is this is I'm going on and on with this. But it's like you know when you get if you're driving a different car, you get in a rental car, you get in someone else's car and you've got to start adjusting things, moving things around, maybe adjust your seat, a seat height, where it is, how far up back you are, maybe adjust the steering wheel height, all these different things. It takes some getting used to. So it is like when you get into a new and then with like a Formula 1 car, there's like 50 things that you've got to be like aware of at once and in that sense like a new car is going to be a new challenge and you it takes some time to adjust and i think because Lewis has been in this for so long pre these regulations it's going to take a bit of adjustment time especially as Mercedes with the new regulations are struggling whereas like other teams like Red Bull are still like thriving with the new regulations there's been less of a transition period for the drivers there but Mercedes are struggling so there will be some transition period, even for incredibly strong drivers like Sir Lewis Hamilton. Okay, so back to Aston Martin. So something interesting was, I think in an in- well in an interview recently, Fernando Alonso said that Lance Stroll had the like potential to be a world champion, and I remember seeing a load of people like making TikToks and tweeting about the fact being like. Fernando Alonso saying that his boss's son could be the world's best driver. Like, there was a lot of sense that, oh, yeah, he's, like, being saying that because that's, like, he's got to say that it, like, hype up his employer's son. But Lance Stroll had, what, two broken wrists, a broken toe, and came in sixth. Like, I will say that is a testament to his driving. He may be a Nepo baby. His dad may own the team. But, like, to still come in sixth place with, like, three injuries and having, like, I think if it what was it in qualifying, he was, like, saying he was in pain. Like, we saw everyone was watching, anyone who was watching the, like, coverage um, for, what was it, for was it for qualifying or free practice? Um, for free practice two. Um, would have seen um, the Sky F1 presenters and commentators really focusing on how he was turning the wheel because he was adjusting his hands as he did so Um, and there was a sense that maybe he was struggling more than usual and like even after the race he went like when all the drivers they were like standing in the paddock he went to put his hands on his hips and he like flinched with pain so the fact that he came sick is actually incredible Um, like Truly, truly incredible because, the like, he was clearly in pain and he just, like, fought through that. And, like, I know there are people say like, I have seen people saying things like, oh, this Aston Martin's so good that, um, that Lance Stroll came in sick. But, like, you have to keep in mind that he was injured too. And driving an F1 car is hard, but driving one when you're injured, especially when you're steering and braking and the things you've injured – are your foot and your hands. like? He was struggling to turn the wheel and he came in sick. I think that's a pretty big achievement and I'm actually starting to think maybe Lance Stroll doesn't get as much credit as he's due. I think there's kind of a sense that he is kind of written off as a Nepo baby and then any skill he may have is ignored. So it was really interesting to see him drive in the Aston Martin and to see how how good he was doing um, with it, and like while well injured, I just think it was a really incredible performance from him. So that was the sense that like Alonso was just saying what, he, what his boss wanted to hear. I think that's kind of wrong because we saw Lance really fight for it. And so I really do think, I'm not sure that I would say he has world championship potential. I think it's still kind of early days. It's too like early to say that. But I definitely think we may be seeing a couple of Landstreet podiums this year, which will be really interesting. Okay, so now we're going to take a moment of silence for McLaren. Not only did Pi- Piastri DNF, Lando had to make those six pit stops, which were so chaotic, and ultimately finished in 17th, at which combined with um, Piastri's DNF, It's not looking great for McLaren. They're not really, they're not really doing well. They're currently standing, what, like, points-wise, they're equal to, like, AlphaTauri and Haas, but they're kind of seemingly at the bottom right now, which is not a great look for them. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to see. I'm starting to question, like, if they're gonna be a championship contender this year. And also whether we'll see a McLaren podium this year, because I know it's still really, really early days. But like, it's such a dramatic shift that I'm really questioning how McLaren are going to do this season. But you know, it'll be something to watch, something to see. But they really, I felt so bad for their drivers. They looked just miserable after the race. Uh, Lando looked like just he looked just so upset after the race and just like the fact that he he was like lapped he was going like in and out of the pits consistently it just wasn't really a race I think there's also like a sense that he got less of a chance to actually race because he spent like so much time just going back to the pits so yeah it was not a great day for McLaren so it's a new year a new car a new season and yet still the same problems for Ferrari and specifically Charles Leclerc. He really he really had a tough time this race and in qualifying. He was struggling with his car. Um oh my gosh, as soon as he as he stopped, like I, I was I think like, oh my gosh, I'm to check my Ferrari for, my friends who spoke Ferrari are okay, but within seconds I had texts being like, Not Charles, like all in caps. So Ferrari had a tough time um Carl Sainz was doing well I think part of the reason he was um overtaken by Alonso was just to do with needing new tyres but like again in terms of positioning he came in fourth which is interesting because I think had the Aston Martin not been that strong Fry would have still got a podium with Sainz in third but um I think also it wasn't just the Aston Martin's strength it was also a, a big part of it was also um, uh, science needing to change his tyres so that was kind of interesting to see also for Ferrari and Leclerc Leclerc's car has already been p- fitted with its second energy stall and basically if you didn't know each team gets two energy stalls per car per season So, at this point, to be on your second one already, before... This was just before the first race, after qualifying, because there were some issues in qualifying. That's not a particularly good place to be, because if anything happens now, that's kind of it. So, that was an interesting move, and also, it seems like it didn't solve the problem. So, I... I know I've been seeing loads of stuff about, like, this is Charles, yeah, he's in his villain era, maybe the barring curse is going to get maxed, and Charles will have his first world championship. But with the reliability issues of the Ferrari and the fact that he's already on his second energy store, I'm really scared for him. I think this is likely going to be another scary year. But, you know, hopefully we will see some... We'll, we'll see some improvements. We've got a while till the next race and hopefully they can figure out what's wrong with the car. But yeah, this is looking like it's going to be another scary year for Ferrari fans. Also, I have to do an, a moment of Alex Albon appreciation because I have a lot of Alex Albon fans in my life. And, you know, he did really well this um, week, finishing in the points, finishing in 10th. Albon in particular really had his chance, like, prove himself and shine cuz like if we think about it he is like a um red bull backed driver you know he does have that capability he's someone who could be cuz you know as checo is getting older there's going to be someone to fill that position eventually when he eventually retires and i do think alex Albin could be a contender for that seat so yeah i do think we need to you know keep up our alex albon appreciation Because he is really like we're really getting we've really got a chance to see how he's doing at the moment, and I think this is going to be a good year for him. Okay, so that's it for our race-related news. So the next thing we're going to be moving on to is some off-track news and general things from the world of motorsports. So it was great to see Nico Rosberg back in the paddock working with Skyf1 as a presenter um, it was it was really fun to see him because he was there was kind of a sense that now he's not a driver not associated with the team as much he had a little bit more freedom of what he could say there and you know it was it was entertaining he said a lot and it's also been interesting to see how he's been calling out Mercedes at the moment um, which was interesting um because like he can speak his mind at this point but another thing that was interesting about him being a presenter was it was really nice to see his interaction with the drivers because there was kind of that sense of relatability because you know he's 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 only been off the grid for a couple of years now so it was great to see how he you know he still knows a lot of these drivers so yeah there was like a a level of like openness and like relatability which was nice to see okay so before i go i have one question for you um if you're listening on spotify i'll put this as a um poll that you can like vote on and if you're listening on any other Platform, just comment your opinion on the um, most recent post which will be like a episode announcement on the Instagram which is at paddock.gal um, but the question is did Alonso and science collide did and perhaps more specifically did Alonso hit science because when I first watched it it looked like a collision and I'm pretty sure science said over the radio Did he just hit me? Which kind of gives a suggestion that he probably felt something. But when I watched the replay, I was less convinced. So I'm putting the question to you. Did they collide? Vote on the poll or comment on the Instagram. Let me know what you think. I really want to know what other people are thinking because this is going to be running around my mind until the next race. But yeah, that's all for today. And with that, it's lights out and away I go.